Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Monday, March 14th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is already sick of the St. Patrick's Day-themed NHL merch out there. I mean, it's my dad's birthday, but I get it about the merch. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so we have a lot to talk about today. We had two games over the weekend, so we're going to talk about those two games versus the Carolina Hurricanes and the Montreal Canadiens. It is also Monday, so we will be naming our nemesis of the week. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So we got Morgan Frost back, but it was probably because Scott Lawton is hurt from yeah. that really bad hit last week. Uh, they sent Max Willman back down to the Phantoms because they were putting Frost in at wing. Um, I think, you know, looking at these two games, you know, from a 30,000 foot perspective, um, we'll get into the details of each, but I think they played mostly okay versus the Canes, but they just couldn't hang with them, right? It was very clear that there were just a good team and a bad team out there. And, you know, giving the Flyers a little bit of credit for whatever reason, the Canes just couldn't get a goal. And so the Flyers are able to to hang in there. And it you know wasn't until late in the third period when the Canes broke that tie. Against the Habs, I would say they played pretty poorly. It was like a bad team against a bad team. And they played to each other's level for the they most part. They played worse. Yeah. Yeah. They played a lot worse. Um, but again, the Habs did not play that great either overall. No. But they played smart when it mattered. The Habs smartened up. Marty St. Louis, who doesn't even have a thimble of the coaching experience that Mike Yo does, outcoached them. I would say so. And, you know, it was kind of a, a struggle for me with the lines because I think that you know, versus the Canes, they had some degree of success in terms of figuring out a way to stop the Canes' speed and to drive the play to the outside. So, you know, they had the Drew Brassard atkinson line, Farabee Hayes, Van Riemsdyk, and I thought, you know, they they weren't terrible. I, I just thought that that was a, a good idea. And then Limblom is on a line with Frost and Konechny. And I think that's a good combination because that's what your future is supposedly going to look like. Yes. If you hold on to it. So you need to start putting those kind of guys together. And then, you know, we have our typical throwaway fourth line. That's fine. Yeah. But, you know, the it is hole. what it is. Yeah. You know. So 
from a national perspective, it was interesting that there was all this like, well, Philly's not that bad, whatever. But, you know, eventually they were in the game. And then there was all this talk because, honestly, the the interview with Chuck Fletcher superseded the game. Because once Chuck Fletcher basically took the questions from Emerly Kaplan and didn't fight back on, well, you, you guys say you don't need a rebuild. He didn't want to change the narrative or even talk about that. He just wanted to talk about, yeah, how they just need, you know, a few tweaks and they've got these players under 25 that they're excited about. To me, it's like everything glazed over for me after that. Because I had been trying to tell people who, like, aren't close to the Flyers and are just, like, good hockey people that the thinking was skewed from management standpoint with this organization. Skewed to the point where they believe they could make this team a winner next year, regardless of the cap problems, the injury problems, and all these things. Because some of these injuries might, you know, carry over to next year. And just the hubris of that really showed in that interview to me. I mean, what did you think about that? Well, that's interesting because I didn't see that interview. Oh, I did not no, even it was, know it happened until it was you bad. just mentioned it. It was bad. And Emily Kaplan did a good job because she basically just said what was being that, what was out there. But this was a chance for me to have Chuck change the narrative a little. Like he could have been like, hey, listen, right now we're evaluating the team. We're going to see what's going to be best for us at the trading deadline. Then we're all going to get together and see what the direction of the team is going to be next year. That's what he should have said. Yeah. I mean, but that's what he they didn't say be anything. He didn't say anything close to that. Yeah, that's very frustrating. I can see how that might derail anything that was happening out on the ice, because if he's saying that and then you watch, let's say, a Kevin Hayes be a step behind the whole game. Now, we know he's yes. still recovering, yes. but when you're not, you know, and he admitted it like they it. interviewed him, he admitted mm-hmm. it like, hey, I'm not all there but it's like uh, you're about half there it's no offense but yeah but that's you know that part of it now i don't know if you noticed did you watch any of the post game of that with ray ferraro no so what they did was they they got everybody back together like the flyers will do on their broadcast and they asked ray ferraro about what chuck said as far as this team competing and and, and ferraro was like look i mean i don't think they played that bad today um he goes, needing a few tweaks need, oh, and needing upgrades. The Flyers needed upgrades, which, again, it's kind of hard to upgrade when you're losing Giroux. Like, how do you upgrade from that? But anyhow, semantics. I'll, I'll leave it alone. But when he said that, he said, yeah, that all sounds great, but there's other teams out there you're fighting against to do the same thing. And so, like, Ferrara didn't want to totally derail it, but he said what was most obvious. It's nice that you want to upgrade, but everybody wants to, and you're fighting the whole league for that. I mean, that's an absolutely fair point. And, you know, when, especially when you've just signed a contract with Rasmus Ristolainen, which, you know, we talked about that it wasn't the worst contract, but sometimes you go with the devil you know. Yes. But then to watch how he played in that game, and we'll talk about how he played in the Montreal game uh, next, but did not look great completely turned around on the Lawrence goal in the first period. Um, I mean, it didn't help that Keith Yandel was just kind of watching it happen. Well, that's the, that's the other thing in that game, Keith Yandel, I, I had to tweet. I couldn't even help myself at that point. Cause I was kind of like, 
did Keith Yandel even like make any kind of attempt to swat away the puck on that goal? Did he do anything? Did he, you know, I don't and think then so. no. And then after the goal went in, he was just kind of like, ugh, and he lowered the shoulders. And that's what we're seeing out of Keith Yandel now. And the fact is, it's just, it's maddening to the point where that's why I don't care about Keith Yandel's streak. Not because he didn't deserve it for the time he was in other places, because he's completely riding it out here and not giving max effort all the time. Because he's not. We don't, we don't see him really breaking it or busting it to stop some of these plays. Because he still could. And that one he definitely could have. And, and, you know, nobody even talks about him anymore. So it's easier to blame some of the other guys that you know will be on the Flyers going forward. And it's almost like the fan base has just given up saying anything about Keith Yandel. Well, we have reached almost the point, and I think starting after next week, you know, after the trade deadline, where the conversation about Keith Yandel getting benched will reemerge. I, I firmly believe that. It's amazing because, it's gone this long, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but I think we'll be at that time where after trade deadline for the rest of the season, we just want to see the kids now. I think that's when that conversation reemerges. Okay. But then you're you're talking about another conversation that basically is, is saying you probably believe there's a 60% chance because they gave him the no move that, that he's not going anywhere. No, I don't think he's getting traded at the deadline. No. See, now I know that a good portion of fan base is kind of hoping he'll be a good soldier and agree to get traded somewhere. But you're right. Chances are he probably won't. And then he will still be here. So... I will say, talking about that game against Carolina, Martin Jones played well enough to, I think, keep his sell rate at, at a decent level. So that was good. And again, you know, it wasn't the worst game they've played. They, you know, they did hold a good team back offensively uh, for a good portion of the game. So I'll give him some credit for that. But there were some real problems as well. Yeah, we'll give him some credit on that. We have to also remember, for whatever reason, that game, Svechnikov had a couple of massive chances one on a breakaway he couldn't even hit the net so had either one of those gone in we might we might be still having a different conversation so that was just lucky to some degree yes but uh we'll talk about the montreal game coming up next but first we're going to talk about athletic greens i want to take a moment to talk to you about athletic greens i started using athletic greens because i wanted better gut health more energy optimized immune system and hated taking pills and vitamins, and I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole, force, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All those things. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contain less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery. It also supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop 
in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, this is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Next Monday, March 21st, is the trade deadline. So at 3.30 Eastern, tune in to Locked On Fantasy Hockey's live deadline reaction show to get all the on-ice fantasy and betting analysis you'll need from hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone with appearances from our roster of local team experts. And for our reaction, catch our trade deadline episode posting that day. So... Yesterday's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I understand it's a different team, so you maybe you're going to want to make adjustments, but mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly thrilled with what Mike Yo decided to put out there. It was like 50% a good idea and 50% terrible. I, I agree with that. No, because that's true. I love the decision to put Frost on the line with Giroux and Konechny. We'll talk more about him a little bit later in terms of his trajectory over the weekend and, and his... The only thing is, let's just say this. The fact that that hasn't been done this season is criminal by any of the it, coaches. It is. Because we it, knew it, it worked a year is. ago and nobody went to it this year. Nobody. So I do like the Fairby brassard atkins in line for, for what it is. It's been dynamic this season. So when they've used it, I've liked it. However, I also don't like the consequences of that decision because they put Lindblom on the fourth line, which is a criminal waste of space. Yeah. How and does Mayhew I, play up in this lineup compared to I Lindblom? I do not it's... understand. So I just thought he made, Mike Yo made some really questionable choices with his lines against a terrible team. Like, I think this game might have been winnable in a better way if they had, you know, made some different choices there. But that being said, this this game was just a mess. Like I said in, in the other uh, discussion, it, it was just that this these were two terrible teams making a ton of mistakes, especially in the neutral zone. It was like turnover city on both sides of the ice. But mm-hmm. I think that there were some really good things about it, too. I love Travis Sanheim stepping up offensively for that first Flyers goal, mm-hmm. you know, critical part of that play. Again, uh, we're going to continue to talk about deployment because Sanheim continues to have zero power play minutes. And when he does stuff like that, you're just like, what are we doing here? Right. <laughs> uh, it was just, I, I think, a, a terrible move on Mike Yo's part to not give him a shot on the power play. I think that, you know, while I was super happy for Claude Giroux gets his 900th point. A great moment. We're all celebrating. We're all happy. And then Rasmus Ristolainen (laughs) just gets caught again. And Suzuki scores right away and just takes the joy out of that Giroux moment. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we talked about it. Um, Ristolainen had some bad moments in some of these games, but so did a lot of other players that really didn't even get talked about. Everybody wants to harp on the Flyers defensemen now and not on the forwards that don't play defense or don't give puck support. And that's something where we saw that happen with, you know, Cam Atkinson. We saw that happen. We'll talk about 
another forward later uh, in this game. But at any rate, Nick Suzuki is a high, a high um, skill player, so he can do that to almost anybody. It was probably going to happen to Ristolainen, but I will tell you this, and this was something again where we we do the biggest problem with Mike Yo really is deployment. Like that's why we always use that word. Remember, he has the last change in this game. And I don't think he ever used it to his advantage. I don't think so either. And I just questioned some of the matchups. He selected... There were bad matchups out there all night, but especially late in that game. Yeah, and, you know, in the overtime, you know, they're in a power play situation in the overtime. Well, let's get into before the overtime. I know. Let's let's do the before the overtime. So they have a power play, right? Mm -hmm. Now, it's bad when on the broadcast, Jim Jackson's nervous that they have a power play when all you have to do is hold on to the puck to win that game, right? Oh, they could not maintain puck possession that entire game to save their lives. Right. And, And even, actually, even before the power play, we should even rewind a little bit before that, there were two really lazy attempts to score goals by Yandel... And Broussard that missed by a mile, that brought the puck back in the other in the other end, and and those are kinds of plays that skated out. Don't just go for the empty net when there's over a minute to go. But all right, so we move on. There's the penalty, which was super dirty by Chris Weidman, super dirty yep. on on Farabee. But you want to know something that fired up their team, even though their guy was was shorthand, even though they were shorthanded, they actually you saw there was a lift there. So anyhow, so the Flyers have the puck on the power play and they can't possess it. And now we're in overtime. But they still have a power play in overtime. And already we were feeling like there's not an advantage here. But there should have been an advantage. Yep. And it's because they've continually this entire season, and this is like a microcosm of it, their passes are not crisp. They're not quick enough. And so the ability for opposing teams to pick off passes or to create a situation where they can, you know, create a competition up against the boards and retrieve the puck themselves. It happens all the time because the flyers aren't fast enough on the draw. Right. And that's where you could really get into deployment on who was on that power play. Keith Yandel was on that power play. And I remember even Giroux winning a face off and Yandel just, you know, Shoots the puck right away, and you know it's easy. It's an easy save instead of trying to work the clock. Kevin Hayes was on that power play, who is, <laughs> by his own admission, not a hundred percent. Although that's how he scored a goal that game, but it was a tap in, oh, right? I know, right? No, but it's true. It's like I'll tell you what's happened with this team and Mike Yo. Like Mike Yo, you know, basically now has lost this team to the veterans. They run this team. That's what happens when you have veterans that are playing to play out of pride, we'll give them that, but have no real direction and are just playing out the string. This is when you get these kinds of bad plays. And then we could talk about, you know, Derek Broussard actually panicking when he tries to get the puck out. And that started the whole sequence of them not being able to get the puck out and Hoffman breaking his stick, him going to the bench, Cole Caulfield jumping over the bench. Now, that's Cole Caulfield's not picking you at the draft karma. Not, you know, 
The Flyers could have had him. I don't want to get into that. But part. but you have to mention it because, like, those were direct results of them not taking him at the draft. Right there. That was a direct result. And if you don't think that extra smile out of Cole Caulfield had nothing to do with that, you know how players are. They always get a chip on their shoulder when they feel like somebody didn't want them. To me, that's like, it's in the past. It is what it is. Okay. I, I mean, like, I'm going to leave it in the past now, but I couldn't. The only reason I couldn't ignore it is because I hear I still hear Chuck Fletcher saying we need a goal scorer. I don't know. Cole Caulfield seems like a goal scorer. He always has been his whole life. That's it. Now I'll leave sure. it buried. Well, I do want to talk about more about Morgan Frost and Cam York because ostensibly we are in a point of the season where we should be showcasing these guys and figuring out what they can do and giving them opportunities to succeed at the NHL level. So starting with Morgan Frost, you know, I think that the problem this whole season, and we've alluded to that, is that they just haven't put him in a position to succeed. And then they finally do in the game versus the Habs. And lo and behold, he plays better. So we had been advocating for months to put him in on the wing and it only happened because of injury. You said that earlier in the show. What does that tell you? Yeah. And we've also talked about decisions in terms of minutes, right? That mm-hmm. you have to start giving these guys more minutes at the NHL level because you have to see what they can do over the full stretch of a game playing typical minutes that they would play, right? So that's what that does. By putting Frost on the first line, it gives him more minutes and you're like, okay, this is what he can do in a real NHL game in a real scenario. And he played mostly well versus Carolina um, Mike Yosidi slipped maybe in the third. I don't know, but that's really mono focusing it on him. Tack. It yeah, really is very ticky tack. But I thought you know clearly he stood out in the game versus Montreal. Um, you know he has to like get his shot a little bit better on target, but he was making really good moves and smart plays. The pass between his legs opened up space. Mm-hmm. Like, that. but again, knowing that he was having a good game, you saying he was the top liner. Why wasn't he out there to start the overtime period? Where's what is what is the message the coach is sending to that young player by stapling him to the bench in overtime? I don't believe in you fully. I like you, but I don't fully yeah. believe in you. Absolutely. And that's when you need those guys out there by the way. Being afraid of making a mistake in overtime is the worst way to play overtime, and that's the way they played it. Having kids out there who have the legs and the skating and the skill in overtime is how you win out there. And that's how the Canadians won out there. I also want to talk about Cam York because he replaced Ivan Provorov on the power play, finally. But I don't think was given enough minutes to really do much. I mean, in the game against Carolina, he had 17 minutes, which I thought was solid. There wasn't a ton of power play time, so I think he only got like 10 or 15 seconds. But then his minutes were cut drastically in the game against the Habs. And I don't get it. You know, he only had like 12 minutes, 45 seconds ish in that game. And, you know, I just feel like this is again, undercutting your mission here. Like you have to be, I'm not saying have him play over 20 minutes, but like 15 to 17 minutes is where he should be at. And if you're not going to put him out there, like what are we doing here? Right. Actually, and he could handle 20 minutes. Like, Cam York's always handled a lot of minutes. 
going back to the NTDP all through Michigan, he's handled that kind of um, load. So at this point with this team, I'd want to get him used to doing that, actually. But I think what this speaks to is something that I had mentioned about York, that like over the summer now, he's going to have to practice his point shot, getting it a little better, getting it a little more accurate. And I think this is why Keith Yandel keeps getting thrown out there because York is sort of like at that point where Provorov is on the power play. Like, hey, I'm not going to have this great shot. I'll sometimes get it on net, but I'm a really good passer. And that's good, but sometimes you need someone to take the shot and not everybody's willing to take it on the power play. So then the coach sort of defaults and puts Yandel out there. And I think that's part of the problem in all this. Like, he's got to stop doing that. I think so, too. And, you know, it was just like a a microcosm of of what was going on the whole weekend. Deployment issues, breakout issues, special teams issues, and not putting the right personnel out in the right circumstance. We've talked a lot in this episode. We got to do one quick break and then we will come back with our nemesis of the week. And it's that time of year again. We just got the college basketball bracket set up. So from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's also that time of year where you've probably given up on all your New Year's resolutions, but I've been sticking to mine thanks to Bilt Bar. It's almost like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. And have you tried their puffs? If not, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. They're the first ever protein infused marshmallow. And they're not just a protein bar, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, such a treat. They're a fan favorite with incredible flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, and all Bilt Bars, including those, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Bilt.com and scroll down to the macros chart, you're going to be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. There's so many delicious flavors to choose from, like coconut, mint brownie, and white chocolate cookies and cream. They've got new flavors coming out all the time. At Bilt Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Bilt.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so it's time for our nemesis of the week. And if you are not familiar with this segment, each Monday, we identify who or what in hockey is our nemesis, who is frustrating us the most this upcoming week. Last week, we talked about managing the run up to the trade deadline correctly. I don't know if they've been doing that or not. We just talked a lot about uh, Chuck Fletcher maybe not saying the right things in order to put himself in the best position. So not doing that so well, I guess. Yeah. 
But I think my nemesis for this week is not crying all week about Claude Giroux and his potential to leave or his high potential to leave. Um, I think it's really just starting to hit me right now that I've sort of been in denial this whole time that maybe he is like really going and mm-hmm. he's not going to be on the Flyers anymore. And uh, I am very upset about it. No, you have a right to be upset. Although post game, he's still not sure if you believe that. So right. Know. So maybe there's a little bit of hope for you. So don't don't use all the tissues up just yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, my nemesis of the week is going to be Mike Yo because I I just I've gotten to the point where I'm tired of the way he's leaning on these veterans, shortchanging the the youngsters. Uh, using bad deployment, not taking advantage of of the last change, uh, just talking about playing a certain way and then that game plan going awry, mostly by the second period in a lot of games. Maybe it lasted longer in the Carolina game. And it's just that that's just that's going to frustrate me this week because it's getting it got to me last week. And now it's just like you can't like smooth it over anymore. And as as the players leave, then what's going to happen? Do you trust Mike Yo now to develop your young players? That's now in question. But that'll be another show, Rachel. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow because I feel like a lot of what we talked about today, we didn't even scratch the surface no. on on that. So we're going to continue that conversation tomorrow. We're also going to talk about the Phantoms, which is a related conversation. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Uh, apparently they're playing Wordle now on the screen at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. Uh, Charlie yeah. O'Connor from The Athletic posted a picture of the big board where they were doing that. I don't know. I don't know what the answer was for that one, but God bless those people in game operations with the Flyers because they it's it's an uphill climb knowing what the product is on the ice. Yes, you have to really. This is when they have to give their A plus plus effort to make up for the other things. Indeed. All right, that'll do it for today's show. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen locked on fantasy hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.